0: tío that we're looking at. We're looking again at the book of Acts. We're looking at the early church and this phenomenon that happened when the church couldn't stop growing. And uh, I love the fact that Sarah's reminded us that that's our prayer, uh, that out of the overflow of all that God is, that He, all that he means to so many of us here, we would continue to grow. We know that in the book of Acts, if you know the book, uh, it says that they were every day God added to their number. And We're just going to watch a video now and we've made a series of videos as you will have seen with Tim looking moody by the graffiti there Um, and there's more of that to come and there are more people, some of you did readings, in fact Martin Woodruff did a reading with Naomi standing by and we all thought he read that well with his lovely scouse force that he does not knowing that Naomi's waters had already broken, interesting fact, so when we come uh, to watch that particular video look out for the expression on Martin's face Um, But let's watch this as we engage afresh with the book of Acts and as uh, we have a little reading as part of this video.
1: Acts 4 verse 20. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard.
0: As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard.
1: As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we've seen and heard. When we think of the word Christian, we tend to think of an established religion with churches, prayer and doing good things. But when we look back to the very first Christians, we get to see something much more raw, much more unstructured. The Book of Acts, which we'll be looking at over these next few weeks, is simply an account by eyewitnesses of the very first Christians. And what becomes very clear, very quickly, is that something dramatic had happened. This wasn't an attempt at establishing a new religion or starting an institution. They were simply a random group of people who'd seen something incredible, and they simply started changing the world as a result. They didn't have to work themselves up to be revolutionaries they'd just seen something and heard something so breathtaking that it changed everything forever and the question for us is this could this happen again right here right now
0: brilliant just gonna move this slightly um, I don't know how you spent your first Saturday of the new year. I made a fatal error, uh, and many others alongside of me did the same. We thought that a good thing to do would be to declutter. And in pursuit of that, we decided to go to the tip, all of us. All of Kings Heath, all of Moseley, all of Sturchley, we all went at the same time. So, an hour sitting, and I exaggerate not, um, in my car gave me an opportunity to reflect and to think why on earth did I do this? What part of me thought this was a good thing? But I was listening to the radio and uh, there was somebody on there who's passionate about Indiana Jones. He's watched all the films, absolutely loves it. And he says, why is it that I still shout at the screen when Indiana Jones is in front of the temple? I shout, the penitent man must stoop down. Do it, duck down, stoop down. And he said, I know how it ends. I know how it ends, why do I keep shouting and shouting at this character? And it made me think a little bit about what we're looking at today. That actually, he can't help but shout at the screen because he knows how it ends. He can't help but share that actually, when we are full of repentance, God forgives. That's the way that we can enter into God's blessing, into his forgiveness. But he can't help it. Can't help it because he's so passionate to let the character know. And when we look at these early Christians, what's so exciting for us, and actually so relieving for us, if that's a word, um, is that... The pressure's off in that we can't help but do it. It's not, we must do mission this year, Bourneville Church. It's just, well, we can't help it. We can't help but talk about it. And the early Christians, nobody gave them a philosophy. Nobody gave them something written out that they were supposed to be a strategy for mission, that they were supposed to do A, B, C, and D. They saw miraculous things amongst them, as we've heard from this verse in Acts 4, verse 20. And what we we hear is they say, as for us, we couldn't help but talking about what we'd seen and heard. And I'm just going to um, talk to you a little bit about um, some facts from the last year eyewitness accounts. If you look at the book of Acts, it is eyewitness accounts. It's people like Peter and John who had been bumbling, who'd been nervous, who'd been terrified, actually going out and seeing the miraculous when they use the name of Jesus, when they declare the name of Jesus. And here is an eyewitness account from a pastor of a local church. This is what they've seen. A heroin addict staying sober through the prayers of people for over a year, joining a church and bringing many to faith alongside him. A healthy baby born when all the medics said that this was far from possible. A woman who was told 10 years ago that she had months to live, living on through miraculous prayer and coming to faith in that time. A woman with a brain tumour diagnosis, a terminal diagnosis, live on and share her faith with those around her in the home where she lives. A man who was cynical with no faith saying this is a miracle this can only have happened because people prayed I'm free of debt I never felt I would ever be free that's us okay I am that pastor and that's our church so it's very easy to think that these things only happened in Acts but those are things that some of us have prayed for witnessed seen happen in our midst and so as I tell you that, I feel emotional, but I also feel faith rise in me that actually do it again, Lord. Can we pray for more of that, more of those things? miracles amongst us have we stopped believing for the miraculous because these guys in the early church they saw God do amazing things they were unschooled they were slaves they were hungry they were poor they were sick they weren't the schooled guys they weren't the tutored guys and they saw and heard miraculous things and it's interesting to me that Christianity and if It occurs to me that there are three things that we can take from this verse. The first is that this was a phenomenon, not a philosophy. It was a phenomenon. The word phenomenon actually means an engagement of all the senses. So all their senses were caught up in it. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said he longed for a church that was caught up in the way of Christ, that didn't collude with Nazism and Germany and all that was going on, but that was caught up in the way of Christ. And I believe that's the prayer as we come into this new year that we're caught up not in a philosophy, but in a phenomenon that actually is changing the world, all over the world. And in the, the word gospel in the Greek doesn't just mean good news, it means an announcement of good news. That's what it means. So if people say, well, actually, I believe in this faith in Jesus, but I think you've got to keep it to yourself... You almost lobotomize the faith. You take out the root of what our faith is. We can't say, oh, yeah, well, it's great for us. But we don't want to embarrass people or set people off or be awkward and, and tell them that we've got the greatest news of all. So we hold back. But as we hear our news, even this week, surely there's a heart cry, there certainly is in me, that people are desperate for this good news. That actually we have experienced and are experiencing a phenomenon, phenomenon, not a philosophy. Um, the gospel is an announcement. The early church, interestingly, grew because of what happened. If you think of what these guys were proclaiming, they were proclaiming an incarnation. We just had that at Christmas. They were proclaiming the news that a baby had been born that was God and that came in amongst it. They were proclaiming that they saw Jesus die. They know he died and yet he rose again and that the, the, the curtain in the temple was torn in two and the earth shook. They were proclaiming events. It was an announcement of events. The second thing is that in the book of John, in 1 John 1, verse 1, we hear John say this, that which was from the beginning, which we have seen with our eyes and looked at and our hands have touched. It's something that actually they have lived to see. And I wonder when you think of what you've seen over the last year, over the last few months, what you have heard, what is it that you can't help but share We've heard a little bit about some of those things today. And as we pray tonight, as we pray tomorrow, as we pray on Tuesday and through this week, let's pray, do it again, Lord, that there will be things that are so clearly got God's fingerprints all over them that we can't help but share them. The passage says, there is no other name. There is no other name but the name of Jesus, I know in my life the power of the name of Jesus. Some of you will know uh, uh, the story uh, that I had a gun pulled out on me when I was a young teacher. It was an air gun, but I didn't know it was an air gun. And uh, it was the most frightening experience of my life. But I do know that what I did at that moment as an untutored, unschooled, very terrified young woman was that over and over and over again I said the name of Jesus. And the guy literally put the gun under his chair. It was as if he was drugged. The only way I can describe it is as if a dart had gone into him, and he put it down, and we carried on reading manic poetry until I could get help. But that was, for me, as a young Christian as well, a total affirmation that there was power in the name of Jesus. And it went round the school and people said, Miss apparently you're really cool, and you did this, that, and the other. And it was an opportunity for me, because they said, well, how did you do that? You know, did you have training? And I said, no, I prayed in the name of Jesus, because that's all I had. And actually, as the world gets a bit more scary, and let's not overbeg that, but it is getting a bit more scary, we have the name of Jesus to proclaim, to cling on to, and to not only rejoice in, but to share the power that he brings, In Buddhism, Buddha's last words to his followers were, strive without ceasing, strive without ceasing to do good. In Hinduism, karma says, you must pay. And so reincarnation happens until you get there. Even in our Muslim brothers and sisters, and we have so much in common, so much to learn from one another. But even there, in the Quran, even though mercy and grace are emphasized, they are for those who give alms, those who pray regularly. That's how you earn it. Jesus Christ said, It is finished. That was his last words to his people. That's the comparison. Because every other faith that I looked into, and believe me, I did, said, it's still about your name. It's still, Judy, you do better. You try harder. And I knew I wasn't good enough. There was no way I could ever be good enough. And suddenly into my life comes Jesus, who says, you were never going to be enough. But for me, you're everything. Because I love you. You're never going to make the moral grade, but actually I have grace for you, I have forgiveness for you, I have mercy for you. We have a faith, if we believe in Jesus today, that says, it is finished, you are forgiven. And out of that, how can we not share it? Now, remember, as a new 19-year-old Christian, I couldn't help but tell people that I've been set free. You know, if you like, I was one of those slaves, almost like in the early church, that had heard this for the first time, that said, you are forgiven, And actually, as we put our name in there, we say it's about self. But as we put Jesus' name in there, we say we stand righteous in front of him even today. a lovely quote from C.S. Lewis. It wouldn't be me if we didn't slip a little C.S. Lewis quote in, but this is what he says. Jesus Christ has opened up the cleft into the pitiless walls of the universe. He has brought the life of God into our midst, and he bids us come. Just beautiful words of inclusion, of grace, of mercy, and forgiveness. So, what stops us? In a recent survey in the USA, a Barna survey, it says almost all Christians across all age groups believe that the very best thing that could ever happen to someone is for them to know Jesus. They agree. And probably we do, if we're honest, if we believe in Jesus today. But nearly half of all millennial Christians, sorry to pick on millennials for a bit, people born between 1980 and 2000, insist that it is wrong for them to share their faith with someone of a different faith in the hope that one day they will be able to share their faith. So in other words, there is a huge reticence in us whatever age we are, but particularly an increasing reticence, it would seem, if we look at the survey, that says we don't want to offend anyone, we don't want to shake it up, we don't want to upset anyone. But the difference is we are not sharing a philosophy against a philosophy. We're sharing a happening. Does that make sense? So we're sharing the fact that this has happened. You know, there's historical evidence. There are eyewitness accounts. The Book of Acts is an eyewitness account. Some of you will know that I've written a book and I'm trying quite hard to write a second book by April. And the reason I do that and put myself through quite torturous times, um, hopefully not put others through torturous times, is because I believe in the power of story. I believe in the stories of, look, God did this. You know, we can we can actually pass on stories that will outlive us because God did this. That's not saying my philosophy is better than yours or my cleverer than yours. It's saying this happened. And I think, actually, as we look at being church that share our faith, it doesn't have to be we've always got a why Jesus in our back pocket and we suddenly bring it out like sort of, you know, this, although you might want to do it like that. But if God's at work and if we're encountering him and if he's doing stuff in us day by day and in these, these next three days we're going to really be hoping and praying and pressing in for that, it will be that we go into work or that we go to the school gate and say, guess what happened to my daughter or guess what happened to my neighbor or here's what we've learned so that actually it's a contagious thing it's a happening um, that actually informs our philosophy it's a force why do you think people in the persecuted church do what they do they can't help but talk about it they know that they will face imprisonment and possible death what compels them is love and we're going to pray for each other in a little while that that same love would compel us. Because if we really love God first and we love one another, why wouldn't we want to share this good news, this announcement of good news? Emile Brunner says that other faiths all share the optimism of self-salvation, but for us it has been done. When we hear the verse, we couldn't help it, we can't help it, what they're actually saying in the original Greek was that there was a force that was too great for them to resist. A dynamo, if you think of the word dynamite, it comes from that. In other words, it wasn't try harder. And what I would love for each of you, and some of you do look a bit troubled, I want to just take the angst away from you and say, it is finished. God has forgiven you. He loves you. He has a place for you eternally. Let's go and share that with those that we meet and love. And we'll share it differently. That's what I love about people. We'll all do it differently. We'll all do it differently. But we are sharing events that happened. Truth. If you look at Peter, and some of you might know about Peter from the Gospels, he denies Jesus. He has no boldness at all. He stumbles, he lies in order to cover up. And yet, in the book of Acts... We have him seeing a miracle, standing in front of the Sadducees, standing in front of the temple guards and saying, I can't help but talk about it. He and John, we'll hear about this next week, see a healing that is so great that they have the guy stood in front of all the officials and they say, well, we can't help but talk about it because look what God's done. The guy's here in front of you. And I I find that incredible that Peter goes from, I don't know about you, but Peter's one of my favorite characters in the Bible because he gets so much wrong. But full of the boldness of the Holy Spirit, we hear that people looked at them and they said, wow, there's something different about these people. In Acts 4 verse 13, we read this. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. They recognized them as those who had been with Jesus. Wouldn't that be the greatest thing? If people were to talk about Riverside Church, to talk about us here in Bourneville, and say something about those guys, that they've been with Jesus, there's something other... There's something about them that is lit up in this world that is increasingly dark. Now, I'm sure they do. I'm sure they do. But our prayer at the start of this year is for an increase of that, is for an increase of our certainty. Peter and John couldn't help it. They couldn't help but talk because they were convinced. And that's a work of the Spirit, We're going to pray for one another in a moment, just for that conviction of the Holy Spirit, maybe for the first time, that this is true, that Jesus did come to earth for you, for me, that his name is more powerful than any other name, that his name goes above our name, over our name, replaces our name. All the other faiths say it's about try harder, do more, receive this, and you will get this. Jesus Christ said, it is finished. I love you, I've died for you, you are forgiven. There's a place for you and I leave you my Holy Spirit so that you can go on and do immeasurably more. So finally, sharing good news comes from encountering good news. That as we encounter afresh, even today, maybe even for the first time, the fact that we can receive this mercy and this forgiveness... That as someone prayed earlier on, I think Sandy prayed, that as far as the East is from the West, our sins are forgiven and, and forgotten by Jesus, by God, through Jesus. That actually whatever you did, even over Christmas, whatever in the stillness and the quiet of your heart you feel bad about at the start of this new year, we can lay it before him and just say, I'm forgiven because of Christ and because of his great love. And that actually it's not arrogance to declare our faith, It's love, it's love. It's not saying I know better than you, my God's better than yours, it's not that. It's saying it's only by faith, it's only by Christ, it's only by his name, there is no other name. And if we really believe that, we can honour other faiths, we can learn hugely from their wisdom, beautiful. We can learn from dedication as we fast today. We can learn, can't we, from our brothers and sisters who are way better than us at that. We can learn together, but actually, why not share what God has done singly for each of us? That actually we'd be known as those who have been with Jesus.